When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Inside the Boards podcast, the podcast dedicated to helping you learn to think like a question writer so you can study smarter, not harder, and succeed in medical school. I am Patrick Beeman, your host. Welcome to the Inside the Boards podcast. How perfect is that song for the podcast? I just want to thank Rao Reynolds and Enter Shikari for letting us use this track. The track is Anesthetist off Enter Shikari's 2015 album, The Mind Sweep. I mean, this is like perfect. Listen to those words. Doctor, fetch the anesthetist, right? They even say like, illness is not an indulgence which you should pay for. If you want some socially conscious, upbeat music that will get you stoked about taking action in life, head over to entershikari.com or find them on Spotify. Keep in mind our Step 1 Study Smarter series for the USMLE Step 1 and Comlex Level 1 is available on a different channel. You have to search for the podcast on your favorite podcatcher or go to our website, insidetheboards.com. Oh, and speaking of, head over to insidetheboards.com, sign up for our email list. You will get access to a special offer on the Boards Workshop, which Ryan... I and Maureen talk about in this episode. It's a two-parter. This is part one. In episode two, we will go over a question using some principles from StatMed Learning. All right, welcome to the Inside the Boards podcast. Today, uh, we have Ryan Orwig from the StatMed program. Um, he is back uh, to discuss a little bit about his, a little bit more about his platform. And in addition, we have a guest, which is one of his students, Maureen. Uh, thank you for joining us. Um, let's start with you. Uh, what is your background, Maureen? Um, so I am currently a third year re- psych resident in the Midwest. I'll be pursuing child and adolescent uh, psych. And I uh, went through you know, went through med school like everyone else. Um, but I had a very challenging first year, um, almost didn't continue medical school. And uh, it was a tough call whether or not I was going to stick with it. Um, but it was actually through kind of serendipity almost that I was able to find out about Ryan and his program. And I really attribute his 
input and his influence as the whole reason that I uh, I stayed with med school and that I'm here as a resident. Okay. Well, so that's, that's interesting. Um, especially considering uh, the specialty you've gone into, which is yeah. particularly a doctor of the soul, the the mind, right? Um, put us in the framework. Where were you when you first started having that feeling? Maybe I'm not going to continue med school. This isn't worth it. Like, what was your state of mind, and 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 what had led you to that point? So I, you know, I remember I was nervous about starting medical school just because it was an unknown, you know, and everyone talks about how hard it is. And of course, I think anyone would be kind of nervous and wondering, am I able to do this? Um, It was honestly, I think the first or second day when it started, I had a feeling like I think I'm in trouble here. Um, And, and, you know, everyone, um, it was the volume of material was like nothing I'd ever seen. And um, I remember thinking, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to remember all this. And, you know, I remember you know, saying that to other students um, and they were like, oh yeah, me neither. But then they kind of got the swing of it. And here I am and I'm not at all. And I'm like, oh my gosh, something is really, something's wrong. I don't know what it is. Um, I don't know, am I just not capable of this? And I'm like, do I have a learning disability that I just never knew about? Um, it was just a really, a uh, really awful experience that first year. Um, you know, and I it started, you know, from the first test and then it really, the whole year was an absolute drain and a struggle. Um, it was brutal. Yeah. And you definitely think, I think a lot of it, it does a number on your self-confidence. I know some people talk about like, oh, I failed this one test once. Like, no, that doesn't capture it at all. Um, it's having to go through this and, work and work and work and work and work and it's just not getting better and you just don't understand why. Okay. And I, I do want to get uh well I'll come back to that, but well then let me ask. So you get we're at the beginning of our study smarter series for step one, right? We take the time mm-hmm. to provide some hopefully high yield content um to help people learn on the go. At least that's kind of how we market it. But like the deeper goal that that I have is to help students redeem a little bit of their lives somehow by helping them learn to think about the strategies involved in test taking a little bit more um, and to gain that confidence and perspective that 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 really is necessary, um, I think, to live a, a fulfilled life within medicine if you're always under the gun like, and it's always stressful, like a little bit of stress is good. A lot of bit of stress um, is incapacitating, right? Yeah, exactly. So second year, it's March, April, you are, I assume, thinking about step one coming up. Uh, Absolutely. Um, So after, um, uh, okay, so we'll we'll start there. So uh, the step one is coming up in March and April, and you're aware of it. I started having the realization that because the you know, first year was so brutal, um, truthfully, I don't think I learned anything. Um, honestly, I just, I don't think nothing was retained at all. It was just this horrible experience. Um, and things aren't going to be encoded permanently under circumstances like that. Yeah. So I, I knew that I was probably going to have to delay the test mainly because I had to learn first year material. I just, I truly didn't know it. Yeah. Um, so I kind of said to my, I was saying to my school, like, listen, this is what I'm going to do. I know they recommend you not do that, but I felt like in my situation, it was warranted. Um, and then we took uh, one, I think it was one NBME, the school 
and BME, thank you. Um, the school asked us to take, and I, they said, you have to get a certain score in order um, for you to move forward. And I took that and I, my, I think I was under it by like just a couple points. I thought, okay, well maybe I'm not in as bad shape as I thought. Um, but, um, I know as I started studying and then going through the material, um, first I brought, going through first year stuff was like, it was, I hate to, I don't want to use the word PTSD cause it's just overdramatic, but it just brought back that whole year, which was not pleasant. Um, but then I realizing I'm like, I'm making like that my score isn't going up. I'm taking these tests over and over. Nothing is changing. And I'm putting literally 15 hours a day into this. I am just burnt out. I don't understand what's going on here. Um, so I had, it all brought me back to that first year, um, kind of the first year mindset, so to speak. Yeah. Um, so I had a lot of, um, very panicked calls to Ryan and which he can attest to. Well, then at what point did you guys meet up? Was it, um, was it then like, I guess I missed the time frame. Yeah, it was two parts. It's a two part meeting, right? Okay. So I, yeah, so I had my awful, my very challenging first year. Um, I remember I did not know if I was going to pass or not. Um, I found out I passed literally by just barely. And then it sort of put me in the mindset of thinking, all right, what am I going to do? Um, this was so bad. I mean, bad. I don't know. Do I just not go back? Do I just quit? Maybe, you know, some things just aren't meant to be. Then I said, okay, well, do I go and try to work harder? I'm like, okay, that's not possible. I can't work harder than I did. So then the other option is, do I go back and try to do it, you know, figure out how to do it differently? Yeah. So that, gosh, was the, I think I'd been home. I, gosh, not long I was back home, my family home. And so what I started doing was I started calling other um, medical schools to say, what do you do with students who are struggling? And um, then someone actually brought up Ryan's program and I got in touch with Ryan and he was, had a class that was starting, I think like in a week. And I was like, okay, all right. And I, you know, was debating, do I do this or not? And I, my feeling was, if I don't do this, then I'm just not going back to medical school. Maureen, if I could, if I can jump Absolutely. in, if memory serves, you called me and you said, I made it through first year. It about killed me. Yes. Um, it, can you, I, I'm thinking about not going back. I'm thinking about walking away from all this. And, and the only reason, the only way I'll go back is if you can tell me that you can make it better for me. And I was like, uh, well, I, tall I, order. Uh, yeah, I know. I, I know. Was like, well, yeah. And I was like, I, I, I think so, but I can't guarantee anything of right. course. And I, th- I think that was what it was. And I think, yeah, it was starting within a few days and, you know. So I, I packed my bags and just drove there and that was that. And that was and the you know, live StatMed um, class. That's our StatMed class. That's Correct. our StatMed class. Back then we only did them live in person. We now do them live in person and live online. And and yeah, that's where we're, we redesigned the way that, you know, a student like Maureen is going to go in and receive all this information, how she's going to organize it, how she's going to encode it, what she can do to sort of be at the levers of control. And, and, and it's a streaming process. How do you stream all this stuff being jammed at you? And we want to give them a variety of tools that they're going to use. And, 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 the, and the thing is like, they can't pick and choose. They don't know what's going to work for them and what's not. And, Sometimes I think Maureen had to use like probably if she listed the tools coming out of the class, the two that she liked the least mapping and memory palaces were the tools that she might have needed the most. And And those are the ones that now like those are the things even now I still use that 
to help me remember, to help me learn things and encode, never left me. And that's certainly the mission. It's like, you know, they can use this not just for first year, second year, for boards, for residency, they can use it for the rest of their lives. And I think that's a powerful yeah. mission statement. Absolutely. And so you're going into second year then having gone through Ryan's class, correct? Correct. So okay, I so had, you go to I'm, second year and now what's your year, mindset like? My mindset was, let's see how this goes. There was a part of me that believed that it was, I still had in my mind, this might not work. This might not work. That was just so bad. But I said, well, I put this effort in. Let's just see what happens. Um, I was unique. I think I was unique in, in the program, at least the one that I was in, because I had was not repeating a year. So I had passed. So I had what made it initially challenging was that I was still, you're still learning how to use these techniques and nothing, even though you practice them in the summer, it's not the same as when you have like the information coming at you. Well, it's, it's um, like, it's like comparing practice to, to playing the game. You can't right, simulate exactly. it. And this is what we tell our students is, yeah, you're going to go in. And back then we had mostly remediators and now it's about half and half. Yeah. M- many more people have followed Maureen's path, which is being proactive either before going into med school or in between the years. And it's obviously, it's just what, what suits the person, but right. She, she had to figure it out as she went. The first like couple months, and I know Ryan and I talked, we're, we're kind of rocky because I'm still learning. You're still learning how to use these totally new study techniques. Learning how to learn. Learning how to learn and also, and the materials all new. Right. Well, Um, but Maureen's special case was that the, like I said, there's this, we, we teach over a dozen skills in the class and the two that she needed the most, she probably didn't put as much emphasis on in the class and in the, in the space between with the mapping and the memory palaces for her. Correct. And Correct. so we almost had, I mean, I think it was like a month in and I remember I'm driving to, you know, Cincinnati or whatever, talking to you about this. And I'm like, I think you were like, the, I think you called me and said, I think those two skills that I think I wasn't going to need, I think I need them. And so exactly. then we had to, and then we're trying to change the the wheel on the moving car because she's, she's in the semester. But I think by the end of the semester, you were definitely up and running with it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it took, again, it t- initially it takes you so long to do it and you're putting in so much effort, but I started seeing like, wait a minute, this is working. Like I'm remembering things and I'm understanding things in a way that I had never, I hadn't last the previous year. And I was going into able to go into lectures with a little bit more confidence that in and of itself is a, you know, means a lot. And it was, I remember like, then suddenly like people started asking me about questions about like how to remember things or asking me about like questions about the material. Cause I had, I guess I was learning it so well. Yeah. And you could teach it. You could explain it. You I were could teach performing it. Yes. Well. And I think your quality of life went from something like we said, like a, a two to a seven or your GPA. It's still med school. Right. <laughs> but you know, there's no way around that, but my quality of life, at least at the very least, like, you know, my anxiety level plummeted so much. I was just a calmer person. I was a much more pleasant person, yeah. um, which means a lot to the people around you. Um, yes. But I also had, I just, I felt more confident going into this material. And I know no matter what, I think second year, once I was up and running, I, there was never a time when I'm like, oh my gosh, there's no way I'm going to know this. I was, I was literally like, wow, this is a lot. I'm glad I have the tools. All right, let's do this. I want to, I want to get to your mindset come, you know, the dedicated study period for step one. This is the biggest test, right? Um, so let's get to that. But Ryan, Maureen's state of mind, the way she was feeling, the overwhelming, like onslaught of information, like 
What do students say to you when they come to you? Do you have a pretty common list? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think I think it's all patterns. I think you can see these patterns. Every med school is going to have students who fall within this bandwidth, and they can say things like they come to me and they say, "Well, I, you know, I I don't get it. I put in so many hours. Why am I not passing?" That that means nothing to me. It's like, okay, I'm glad you're a self-described hard worker, but that, that's not that's like saying I go to the gym every day. Why am I not getting fit? It, it, ha- <laughs> it depends on what you're doing. Something they'll say is I go to lecture and I sit there and then I get lost. And then I come out of lecture and I'm frustrated. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I get home and I feel like I'm starting from scratch. Um, they say things like, I don't, you know, I'm highlighting, I'm reading, I'm trying to read it three times. I feel like if I could read it five times, then it would click. Or I'm reading it twice. And I feel like if I could read it four times, it would click. These are just these these arbitrary goals that are not and really how learning happens. Maureen, what can you say? And I know there was one thing I had said to you, and then you had said, oh, you've heard this so many times, saying, I said, I spent the whole evening studying. I got, got home. I literally cannot remember a single thing I studied. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's because the the, the, the nature of the engagement is so rote and passive uh, reading something over and over again is not the pathway to actually learning certainly dense material over a long period of time. Um, I think a lot of these students, what's happening is they are um, what I call a single track brain. So, so maybe this person sitting next to Maureen, her friend who seems of the same intellectual ability as her, can sit and lecture and walk out and then she's already two steps ahead. Whereas maybe the the med student who's struggling is only a single tracker. So what does that what that means is if you have two tracks, track one, you can sit there. This is either reading straight through dense material, sitting in lecture. You can sit there and you can on track one build the organizational superstructure of, of the lecture, for example. Let's say we're sitting in a one-hour lecture, 75-point PowerPoint deck. And they can sit there and on track one, build like imagine you've got a, a like a closet. They're building the shelves in that closet. They're putting the labels on the shelves on the one track. And on the second track, they're putting the details where they belong, putting the details on the shelves. Even if that's only 5-10%, they're 5-10% ahead of the game, and they've got the right information. Now the, the wheels are greased and things are rolling. This is how a lot of us feel in undergraduate classes just sitting there because the, the, the information's uh, manageable. But yeah. then that that one of our students, that single tracker, they almost have to pick or choose the, the organizational superstructure or details. After the first test, certainly, when they took a shellacking on uh, on details, they're going to sit there and like supermarket sweep sort of hoard these details. And they're just jamming stuff into that metaphoric closet without any rhyme or reason. And then they get home. They have nothing to show for it. They're, they have to pick up the mess and start from scratch. That Literally. Is, like, and, and Maureen, is that is that fair? Is that that's, fair? That's absolutely fair. Well, and so, let me ask: Are yeah, details the sort of thing that normally we're able to learn through rote? Uh, uh, probably, if it's a finite amount. I guess that's but, sort of uh, a leading question, but like my final, guess is yeah. there's a better way to try to. Well, yeah, those. but we can all we can all look back at like some undergraduate course where we were able to jam in details, but it's it's a finite amount over a short period of time. And that that doesn't hold up in, in medical education. That's no. not going to hold up in first, second year. It's not going to hold up on boards. It's never going to hold up. So I think learning at this level has to begin with explicit, ideally externalized organization. And okay. so we have to teach strategies to come in. And this can be a first aid chapter. It can be a, a first year lecture anywhere in between where we have to come in almost from a bird's eye view and teach 
students how to extract superstructure. It's not rocket science, but it's something we don't teach people because only a certain type of person would need it. A highly intelligent person with certain deficits in their overall learning framework. So during that first year, mm-hmm. um, you know, I remember asking some of the like my friends, like sort of like, how are you studying? How are you? And they couldn't really explain it. And now looking back, what I can ex- what I understand now is that you know I was asking them to explicitly explain something that they did implicitly. Ah, uh, yes. They didn't, you know, you, it's like asking, they don't know how it just happens for them, but there's no way, but because of that, there's no way they can explain it. Or, but it won't stop them from trying, right? right. Like, They'll try. And let's, you know, I want to say like the people were like, their intentions were good. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, one of the things I mentioned is like, there's a couple things that I feel like med students do for, you know, students who are struggling that is, are not helpful at all, even though the intentions are good. But a lot of that is having you like be tutored by a really high performing student. I get theoretically where that's, oh, well, they know things, they can help you. It actually backfires so many times Mm. because, again, they don't understand, they can't explain how they're learning. And, you know, the material in med school, the material itself is not that difficult. It's the memorization. It's keeping it all in. So it's not necessarily the explaining that you need. You need to know how to retain it. Um, I think what you would have said to me at some point is it's not that any given concept it escapes you or is beyond you. It's that there's so much that you have to keep, again, organized. Organization is that key. You've got to put it in in a way that is highly organized, and that way you can sort of access it in in what I call a three-dimensional manner. If I hold up a picture of an iPhone, you can say, hey, it's an iPhone if you're looking straight at the picture. But if I rotate the page, you can't see it. That's two-dimensional learning. Students need to be able to put it in in a three-dimensional way. If I hold up an iPhone, you can say, hey, it's an iPhone. You can recognize it. If I rotate it in various uh, on various axes, that's and so again, you can't say, "Hey, learn in a three dimensional way." That's useless advice. That would make Maureen yell at me and throw something at me. Yeah. So no, we have to, we have to right? But we have to we have to teach them uh, means to those ends, and I think that that's what we do with the you know with our, our different methodologies that we teach, and that's what Maureen sort of rolled with uh, going through first and second year. All right, so bring us up. To or sorry, second year to second year. So, so you're about to approach said, step one. Step one. And so, as I said, the one thing I realized is, again, I didn't learn anything first year. So I have to learn first year because it is part of step one. So I knew I needed more time. And one thing I will say when this is just in light of when I did the course, I didn't really spend a lot of time on the test taking strategies because for me, I had to get through second year and there was other things that, that were more pressing than test taking strategies in terms of the, the step one. Cause it was still like, that was a year away. I just got to get through this. I have a year to have to get through. So that wasn't really a focus of mine. So that was part of it. And I didn't realize that I had, again, until you do it, you don't realize what issues you have. Well, Maureen, let me, let me also say, it's really hard to identify truly bad test taking issues until you get into step one, like sure. truly into the, into the wheelhouse of prep, because you can't see the test taking issues when the knowledge deficits are so great. And I have a lot of first years who want to go full into the test taking rebuild and we can't, we have to almost wait till step one. So sorry, carry on. Anyway, I didn't spend a lot of time practicing that just because I had to learn, you know, as we said, I, I need to learn more fundamentals first. That was the most pressing thing. So I get to um, step the, one. Is that the most pressing thing, uh, Ryan? Like in for her, a second year student, yeah. Like let's say, or is it? Uh, is there a danger in 
thinking that if I learn the fundamentals, but maybe you're not applying effective encoding study uh, methods, etc., that that work would be like, I don't know, less valuable um, than trying to learn some of the strategy or tools. Uh, does that question make sense? It's, it's a little. Uh, I don't. I think when you're in a set, when you're in second year, one of the most important things is to make it through second year. I see so I, I see so many students who let's say they're using 95 to 100 percent of their brain power to get through second year. One of the most dangerous things, and, and Patrick, this might be a little sideways from what you were asking, but I think it's relevant. One of the most dangerous things is they hear all their peers saying, oh, I only did 50 questions last night on UWorld. I'm such a failure. You know, then you've got somebody over here burning themselves to death just to make it through. The most dangerous thing that person can do is feel that peer pressure. It's like classic middle school peer pressure. Yes. And you're like, oh, I need to, I better start allocating resources to UWorld thinking about step one, but they haven't gotten through second year yet. Now, this isn't true of probably the majority of maybe the majority of people listening to this, but there are certainly uh, second year students who fall into that trap. And Maureen, you can probably speak to that. As a psychiatrist, uh, (laughs) uh, there's a certain narcissism, I think, that prevails amongst uh, people attracted to our um, Absolutely. No, there is. <laughs> oh, no, no Absolutely. doubt. Absolutely. <laughs> well, I think um, at least in the situation I was in, at least that summer, you know, I wasn't even thinking about step one or thinking about boards. I was just like, how do I pass pathology? Like yeah. that's as far I could, I just wasn't, I couldn't even go that far. I think it's just a really dangerous trap in this, in this last run up before they get as a second year, before the second years get to that dedicated period. If they have the extra resources then by all means, you know, if they if they're only running, only utilizing 60 percent of their resources to get through classes, they have 40 percent of their resources. They can then divert to step step one study. Some people will say, well, by focusing on practice questions, I will therefore be practicing for my classes and step two, step one. You know what? If that if that works for somebody, more power to them. Great. Wonderful. But again, when you're sitting where Maureen was sitting, I think that that's just a very dangerous uh, mindset you know, power le- yeah. leaning on her. It's leaning. It's got its own gravitational pull. And then that could pull her off target. And again, Maureen, I'm sure that that had to be somewhere in there, right? For you. It was. And I think initially a lot of what I was doing is right. You know, one of the things you, one of the techniques we did was like, you know, these, we call the, forget the exact term you use, but like almost writing on the side of the like questions to kind of, as you're going through it, questions that you can like quiz yourself during that we do a um, whole, drink. yeah, a whole variety of what we call retrieval practice tools. Yeah, and you can but quiz yourself without having to do practice questions. Part of the one thing though is I kind of gravitated toward that because I'm like, well, that's pretty like straightforward. But that's again, that was all I was doing is just dealing with more details that were not organized. So it just right. it doesn't it doesn't hold up um, long term. Right. Well, and 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 now the way we bring in this thing called frameworking, it does hold that up. But but at the end of the day, Maureen, what we realized was she was a terrible, terrible test taker. Yes. <laughs> Might be the, the, yes. the most eloquent way of uh, phrasing it is terrible, terrible test taker. But you know, was, I'll that take a a, terrible- was that a relief for you to kind of come to know yourself like that, Maureen? Um, you know, I think it was. It just sort of made me realize that there were mistakes I was made and making, but then that meant there was something we could do about it. You know, if you find out what's wrong, then hopefully you can figure out a way to fix it. Oh, this wow. That sounds like what a... we do in medicine, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it's the same thing. But at least when you have something to work with, 
So I think, you know, I had the two issues. I had the issue with kind of the one, as Ryan talked about that one track mine, I, I know I'm screwing up the terminology, but single then track. I had the t- single track. Thank you. Um, so that had to be addressed, but then there was the test taking issues and that those didn't really present until I was prepping for step one. Okay. So you're prepping yeah, because- for step one. And when do you say, you know, I need to hook back up with uh, StatMed and do something else? I think it was after, you know, at the end of second year, all of us were required were required to take one of the um, NBME t- exams. Yes. I guess we had to be able to get it above a certain score that the school would sort of give us the blessing to go take the test in, in June. And I didn't re- reach that score. I just missed it, but I didn't make it. So then I got in touch with Ryan and said, okay, here's what happened. Um, I think we have a new problem here. Um, okay. And then that's where, that's kind of how it all started. Can you give me briefly, like, your, what you were doing? Well, I guess you hadn't really been into the dedicated prep time when you took the computer-based science assessment or NBME uh, practice step one, correct? Correct. Okay. Correct. Okay. So you were, but you were very proactive. I think everybody yeah. um, is also probably wondering, like, this outcome. So let me just ask straight. So did you pass step one initially? Yes. Okay. Did you meet your goal of what you were trying to get? I'll be honest with you. I didn't really have a goal. I was just like, let me just pass. Were you happy um, but, with your school? Well, then yes, you did, right? Yeah, th- yeah. I mean, and I did. And I passed by a, by a very decent margin. Okay. Now, what do you think would have happened had you not gone through the StatMed program? Well, the program itself, I would have, I well, I um, actually, someone asked me, do you think you would have failed step one? I said, no, I wouldn't have failed step one. I never would have taken it. You wouldn't be I a doctor today. We wouldn't be having well, this conversation. Have, we would be having this conversation. So yeah, that's always say, you think you would have failed? I, I say, the answer is definitively no, I would not have failed. I would have never taken it. I, I think for me, if I hadn't done, if I hadn't done the stat med program, I probably would have um, not continued with medical school. Wow. That's, I mean, Ryan, that must make you, that must keep you going every day. I mean, just the, you know, I'm trying to connect this back to hope, but like when you help people, you help one Maureen, think of how many people she's helped just in her years of psych training and how many she will as a psychiatrist. Like it, the impact is, it's, it's, it's pretty awesome. It's, it's profound. I mean, it's a profound um, uh, thing to, to process and it's, and it's hard to, you can't process it really. You know, they're amazing people and, and, you know, we have, I mean, you know, you develop relationships with your students where we get to know our students in a way that, you know, they text you, they tell you their successes, they tell you when they're struggling. Um, everything that we've built comes from, you know, these experiences. Like there, there are things in the board's workshop that are lessons that I like names of patterns I named because of like working with Maureen, for example. Hmm. Like, wow, like this is a thing. This is a pattern. I've seen this before. Wow. I think this is a real thing. And, and you know, just the, just the way that we, she and I communicated back then. Um, I would be driving somewhere and say, hey, let's just talk about these three questions. And we'd hammer them out. Other, there's no other way to find these patterns. There's no yeah. textbook. There's no rule book. And I'd be like, wow, Maureen, I think uh, you keep doing the same thing over and over again because it's hard for them to see the pattern because they're so down in the weeds. I can see up higher. I can see that bird's eye view. And, 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 <laughs> Physician, and, and can, heal thyself. Um, yeah. <laughs> right? Right. So that's that's sort of where it comes from. But no, it is it is it is absolutely profound and it gives me chills just, you know, thinking about where, where Maureen is right now and wh- where she was when I met her. I mean, that's why I think it's cool. Like you're, that's why I, I've loved having conversations with you over the past, uh, 
a month or so off and online because it's so mission focused and and like to meet people like Maureen who realize there is something awry in their approach to medical school. I think all of us have some sort of moment like, what have I done? Like this was maybe not a good decision. <laughs> like I want to help people. There's all this idealism. But then you spend, you know, all this time being beaten down by information and feeling inadequate and in fierce competition against everyone else or really against yourself um, in a lot of cases. Um, and it, it, it eats away at you. And it sounds like fixing some of the, the, the learning issues or improving them for you, Maureen, actually helped you lead and live a better life, make and stay committed to choices that you had, you had committed to prior to entering med school. Is that true? Absolutely. Well, I just, so I've been reading a, a, a little bit, kind of going back to like some of Viktor Frankl's logotherapy principles and this idea of meaning and, you know, you can, in, what, endure any uh, how as long as you have like a why uh, mm-hmm. kind of thing. And to me, like, it takes a little bit of effort, but like for everybody who's listening who is studying for step one, I will tell you, being out of med school now for seven, I guess, years, step one is... Well, I mean, I guess I do a podcast uh, for medical students focused on step one. So I probably think about it more than other doctors. But like, I don't think about it doesn't affect me because it was, you know, a three month slice of my life and then it was over. But like, I remember I can put myself back in the position of a student, like overwhelmed thinking, oh, crap, if I don't do well on this, I'm not going to be able to, you know, fill in the catastrophic thinking sort of stuff, right? Like not going to be able to feed my family, not going to be able to do what I love, not going to have the career, all my dreams are dead, right? Like that's, I think, sometimes where students will go. If you find yourself doing that, then then definitely, you know, reach out to your support system for help. But even more so for those who are like, yeah, whatever, like I have pretty decent natural study you know, skills and tools when it comes to test taking. I got this content and I don't really care if I get a super good score. I still think all of us, there's a good exercise for us to take a a moment and just try to connect what you're doing study-wise to the reasons you went to med school and really put it in the context of, of it being a helping profession because you're enduring all this stuff. You're enduring it to help people. That's what's happening like, don't let that bent toward altruism die a terrible agonizing death because of what you have to learn, most of which you won't really need true. to remember Very seven, true. eight, ten, twenty, one year after med school. So that, I don't know, that was kind of preachy, but I'm trying to encourage you people out there. Um, well, and the other thing I you know want to mention is, you know, the idea of a student struggling in med school no one talks about it. Yeah. No one will discuss it. It's this taboo thing. No one, you don't want to, well, first you don't want people to know because you don't want to be that student You because you've never been that student. Um, but it's an incredibly, incredibly isolating experience. And if anything if I can do with this podcast is just to first let people know you're not alone. No. Um, there are people who are struggling. You may not know it because no one's telling you, but that is 
there are people are out there like you. You're not alone. Um, and just because you're struggling now doesn't mean you can't reach the end result. You may have to put in time and things may have to be, the path may be a little bit different than you had anticipated. Um, Absolutely. And yes, and sometimes that there's challenges related to that, but it doesn't mean you can't necessarily get there. As much as I would love to talk more about this and um, think of practical strategies people could implement to uh, help that ailment and and be more mindful, have more, I guess, uh, a handle on the the difficulties in managing the stress. What I'd like to do is, are we able to kind of like get a slice of what you're doing within the StatMed platform with students who need help? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the, an easy way to look at this is, you know, maybe pull up a question and sort of maybe we can even use Maureen to sort of gameplay this this question and um, sort of see where people come go right and wrong. Again, we're not once Maureen, we realized she was struggling, like the, the, the test taking was an issue. And it wasn't a content thing. We we put her through the board's workshop right. and that's a very mechanical one size fits all on the front end process and then you tailor it on the back end for the individual so maybe if we go through a question we can sort of play out and talk about specific strategies that any any bad test taker any test taker could fold into their own prep as they're prepping uh for their step one or whatever that test might be is that is that fair and we will end it here look for part two in the upcoming weeks head over to the new channel for the Inside the Board Study Smarter series for the USMLE Step 1 and Comlex Level 1, where throughout that series, we will be featuring StatMed learning lessons with Ryan, offering some practical advice on study strategy and exam strategy from StatMed Learning. So go to the statprogram.com. And as always, thank you for listening.